Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectin. And I'm Pat Fox. And we are back this week after Thanksgiving caused some scheduling trouble for us last week. Um, a ton has happened since our last episode. Uh, football ended their season with a dominant win over East Carolina. The Montgomery coaching watch has officially ended, and we'll talk about the fallout from all of that. Um, basketball looked both very good, like the Vanderbilt game, and very bad uh, yesterday against Arkansas State. So we'll talk about both of those um, and some other basketball recap. And finally, the American Conference has a new football champion. Uh, first time it hasn't been UCF in a while. So we will talk about that as well. So lots to, lots to get into, lots of fun stuff uh, over the last week or so. So let's get into it. Stay golden. Hurricane. Uh, do you want to start with East Carolina game or Montgomery or what? Start I'll do, with, I'll start, do a recap start with of the East Carolina game. We won by a lot. East, Cla- East Carolina's bad. We're good. <laughs> yeah, we're fine. Yeah, I mean, it was the offensive rolling that we've uh, come to hope for, not always expect, because it seems like we can get in our own way a lot of times, either with play calling or penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't the case this time, and we just kind of had a nice – uh, end to the season so that there was to make it so much harder on the fan base's hearts on do we want to move on or do we not want to move on from Montgomery? Yep. I feel like this was, um, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily believe this, but I feel like Montgomery was probably coaching for his job that game. Like, you think if we lose that, he does get fired? Uh, I feel I, like if you beat East Carolina, that shouldn't save your job. I, that's what he should have been fired. That's how I, I feel like, too. I feel like if the DA, if the AD was making his decision based off the game against East Carolina, <laughs> then we should probably get rid of the AD. I feel yeah. like it's not so much a game on East Carolina. It's on whether or not he can point to the fact that our record went up or did not go up. Yeah. And so you lose to East Carolina, you remain flat, and then that's just – you can point to that then as like, all right, we need to move on. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, as much as we talk about it, like we did technically improve and we beat our projection – for this season, I think. By who? By Bill Connolly? Uh, in the in the standings, right? Weren't we supposed to be below South Florida? Oh, I don't know. We finished last in West, which is what we were projected to do yeah, anyways. Yeah, but, I mean, the West was that's a lot not that bad this yeah, year. Yeah, I know. Well, we're, like, the ninth best team. Um, yeah, I mean, we're probably, well, like, in the in terms of SP+, we were three spots behind Houston, so, like, basically right there with them, and then uh, above South Florida, East Carolina, and UConn. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's probably right. The, the record going being better than last year definitely helps. But like the uh, it's the Frank Haith effect. It's the Frank Haith effect, man. I know it's a uh, Derek Gregg just loves the the slight improvements and finishing better than you're projected. I guess. I guess it's a money issue, so it's just part of it. But I mean, I don't know. It's just it doesn't seem like I don't. It's not that I want Montgomery to get fired, but it just seems the way we're making decisions as a program. Yeah. It's it's part. I mean, it's cause it's obvious because they're cash trapped. It's yeah. like we could, like this could be the right decision, but could it be an expensive decision? And so. I think that's the last round of coaching hires, like, were right after TU had, so you have Danny Manning, 
takes the team to the takes that team to the NCAA tournament, then moves on to Wake Forest, and so they want to make a big splash with a name, pay a lot of money for it. You get Frank Haith. Then Bill like Blankenship takes the team to a to the Liberty Bowl, and then kind of collapses uh, right when we're joining the American, and so you want to get a big coach comes in. Goes to the 2016 Miami Beach Bowl, has a great season, so you extend them for a lot of money. Um, and then right around then is when it came out that the like university was having really bad budgeting issues. And so was it because they were throwing money around at all these coaches like too much? I mean, I bet that didn't help. And it's also mm. the lack of donors. Like the school doesn't get as many donors anymore is just a big part of it. Whether that's just because this school is like intrinsically tied to oil market fluctuations or people just aren't donating as much money. Like I feel like we at least have another three or four years before we're like fully in the clear. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know with TU being a private school and all that stuff. Um, but like it's been said for a lot, like, you know, it's been rumored at least that there was a lot of mismanagement financially um, before Clancy and maybe still with Clancy. Uh, so, but you know, that's all just rumors. So, you know, you, you have no idea what's actually going on and how that all actually happens. But um, that's kind of what everyone said for a while and is still kind of saying, but yeah, I think you're right with the, like, it'll be, you know, the new conference money coming in from the new media deal will help significantly, you know, Greg saying that the new media deal is the, is the biggest deal financially. Um, or it's the most significant thing that's happened into athletics financially uh, ever, or like the single most important day. But it'll take it'll take some time for that money to come in and uh, you know build on itself. Um, but it is a good sign going forward. So Montgomery though will be back 2020. Um, this is what Greg said uh, in terms of what he thought uh, or why what his reasoning was for bringing him back. He said to the Tulsa World. This football program has enjoyed a lot of success over the last 15 years in particular. Ten bowl games in the past 15 years. But we haven't been bowl eligible in the past three consecutive years. Everyone involved finds that unacceptable. Going forward, we do feel confident that Philip Montgomery is the coach who can get us back to championship-level football. He's had the program at that level and competed for a division championship in 2016. But we expect to be bowl eligible at the base at the base of it as far as a goal program-wise. And I feel like that is a... Uh, that's the biggest line in this whole thing. Basically saying it's bowl game or bust from now on, especially next year. So he basically is giving Montgomery, you know, an, an ultimatum. Like you either make a bowl game next year or you're gone. And he's being pretty straight up with that when I when I, when he says that. Um, so after that, he says, when you compare the two prior seasons, I think the improvement is obvious. You look at a couple of plays here or there. We're having a different conversation or maybe not even having this conversation. But at the end of the day, we have a, we have to find a way to get over the hump and win those games. Of the three 10-win teams in the conference, we should have beaten two of them, including one, Memphis, who's playing for the conference championship in the Cotton Bowl, of which they won and will be in the Cotton Bowl now. Um, and he goes on and says, you have to take those things into account. We were competitive. The past couple of years, we weren't as competitive. This year, we were. We were a team to be reckoned with, and I think everybody realized that and recognized that, especially within the conference. If the ball bounces or a call goes a different way, all of a sudden, this season looks completely different. At this stage right now, we're close, but we've got to get over the hump. So... With all that, um, how are you, how do you feel about uh, about Montgomery staying? I agree with like what Craig said. If the ball bounces different ways, kind of, but like at the same time, when games are that close, it felt a lot like mismanagement. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's like 
I mean, you're not going to say the negative parts when you're yeah. when you're when you're putting a reason to keep a guy. But like, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons the other way that I could see. Mm-hmm. I don't hate that they kept Montgomery. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's. I think of our two major sports, he's the much better coach. I agree. Uh, and I do think like I don't know. He's a good recruiter. It's. It, it, this year, I think they should have a short leash. It's just if he's if he's stuck in his ways, that's what I always judge a good coach by, is if they're willing to adapt to the situation and like change mm-hmm. things to be better, and not just run the same system or do the exact same thing because like that's how I've always done it. Yeah. So if he can, ch- it really if he can like adjust the way he coaches, and adjust the offense stuff like that, then I uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm not like I'm not gonna stop bringing my kids that I don't have to t- Tulsa games or like just like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Boycott them, yeah. Because because they kept Montgomery. Yeah, me either. And that's why I think the uh, I love the ultimatum line. Basically, like I keep going back to that one. I because there's no. I feel like there's no downside now. If he does badly again, we already kind of know that his job's on the line, and it, like that that should be very obvious. And it was, you know, kind of obvious this year. And now it's just basically Greg came out and said it. So if we don't make a bowl game, we get to look forward to a new coach. And we know that basically, and we can look back at that line if, if he doesn't get fired and say what the hell is going on. Um, but if he does, we know we know what the deal is. So I think that's I think that's pretty cool. I don't like that it took this long to get to the point where he's giving an ultimatum that, in my opinion, is just words. Um, just because I don't necessarily think technically like, they are words. They are words. Yeah, but you think we get to five I mean, wins are, next year? Then we then he he's still the coach if we don't make a ball game. No, I don't think he. I don't think he will be. But I don't like that it's taken three years to get to this point where Blankenship had the two bad years and was like gone immediately mm-hmm. after in, that. In his defense, the it last two years of Bill Blankenship, Blankenship looked horrible. No, in the defense of Greg, it yeah, the last the previous two years for Tulsa looked horrible. Like this year didn't look that bad, but the last two years were pretty bad. I agree. Yeah, like the two win season was year, awful. Even last year was not as bad as Blankenship. It's last it's year. the like, win the last game, leave a slight a slightly positive impression on the season kind of thing. Because we beat SMU last year, it was like all right, we're like turning it around. That was a good win, like throttling ECU. Um, so like I'm not on team. I'm not necessarily on team Montgomery should have been fired. I'm on team. Our athletic department is very inconsistent, and like TU is a historically strong football school, especially the last 15 years. And we're just now saying, like, this is a bowl or bust kind of thing. That should be the case every season. And no, so, I mean, no, it's, no, it should. I mean, the bowl game should be the goal every year, and it, and it is. But, like, one, if you don't go to a bowl game one year, right, you yeah, should be fired. Yeah, one season is not, but then three years in a row, that that's a very long leash to do, especially coming from, like, I, I mean, he's rec- these are all his own players. Like, he, the system should be in place by now is my concern. I, th- I, mean, I think it is. I mean, look at the team this year. It's It was much better. The, I mean, like like he said in the things, obviously didn't lead to wins or as many wins. But right, but it, I mean, it's also like the most penalized team we had and like penalties yeah, come from, to from, a from lack like of things, discipline. Things that you look at coaching, like tri- strictly the coaching in game mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I agree with Matt. And it, it, it does reflect poorly. And you had the room, like the rumors or whatever it was that he doesn't use analytics and then like he yeah, was, was... like one comment. But, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, the rumors exist. Yeah, I think that's that's true, and that's, that's just something on Twitter. But mm-hmm. if that's the case, that there you go. His lack of uh, having any sort of offensive coordinator, uh, he just, like, gave a scholarship to a kicker for the first time when kicking has been, like, awful mm-hmm. for us. Like, these are things that he hasn't, like, just going up what Pat said, he hasn't 
Well, to be fair, sure. kicking hadn't been the problem before. This was like uh, last year. Every year, didn't except we have for Redford uh, Jones? It's been a problem. Wasn't I know? Wasn't Redford last year? Or was that two years no, ago? He was he's here. two years. He's the he's the first bad. Oh year. yeah, because like, yeah, last year was brutal. Wait, who's the remember. kicker before him? It was a, his, a Hispanic guy. I don't remember. Can't think of his name. He was not bad. Yeah, but I just that was just going to Pat's like if he like this off season he needs to actually show that he can change or I have zero confidence in that. Like we're bringing a lot of playmakers back on the offensive side, which is good, um, especially because I mean we'll get to see two years with the same set of group with Monty's offense as long as it actually gets rolling. But like defense, defensively, I'm more scared for next year, especially. Yeah, with, like, I mean we I lose don't, a ton I don't of see people. the West. I guess there is no West, but our schedule is pretty tough next year too. Mm-hmm. I would be less scared about the defense. I do think we have players to plug and play. Um, yeah. Basically, the only person I'm worried about losing is Gibson, just because I don't know if we have a pass rusher to replace him with. But I think, I mean, with Collins. And our pass rushing was already, like, not super strong for most of the season. I, that's what I'm saying. Even with, well, I think that's more of the system. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, but I think we have the linebackers to replace Edmondson and Cannon. I think we have plenty in the secondary depth wise to replace those guys. Mm-hmm. And still, and I think two of our best what mainly one, Zaven Collins is coming back. And I think he was the most talented player on the team still. So yeah, I think I think defense is easier to replace, and kind of I also trust our defensive staff way more to plug in and and still be like good. Maybe not as good, but not like after Dane Evans leaves, it's just a shit show, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. But I agree, Matt. You're right. I do agree with a lot of things you're saying. When it's like, it's just I feel like it's more common in football than other sports because it's kind of a boys' club, and it's like you really don't get into football unless like. It's not nepotism is what I'm looking for, but it's like you got to be like a player, and it's kind of like if you don't play football, then like you, they don't care about what you, what you think. So that's what the analytics things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also it's a lot of like hiring who you know, and you don't really like look outside of that. So that's what I'm saying. Because of that culture, it's a lot of stuck in your ways type of thing, and I don't know, not many like great coaches even like just change what they do. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Um, like I don't Ed Orgeron is like the best example. Yeah, that's what I was like just reading stuff about what like what LSU does, like mm-hmm. the analytics that they do. Like I was telling Pat, and this is just me getting like excited about it, but they look at like the game speed of like how in like how fast their players are playing in a given week. And I think it was the game before they played Texas A and M. Like realized their players were playing at a slower pace than usual so they adjusted practices to make them like slightly less intense so that they'd be ready to go for the next week and so like doing that kind of stuff just sounds really cool and i don't know if that's that's a, like that that'd probably be a huge investment yeah into the that's program a lot of that money. can't yeah. do <laughs> but i mean at the very least like hire a like offensive coordinator that like forces Monty to change the way he thinks about running the offense because while our offense was uh, by a lot of the numbers was better this year compared to last year, there's still a lot that can change. Like our, our run game was noticeably weaker this season compared to previous years. Uh, And so like our passing game was definitely better, but I think there's a lot more that we can do. Yeah. I mean, I would attribute the run thing to, I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times, but a hundred percent of the offensive line. um, Yeah. And but just also, the more, I would say we were more committed to passing. And so we did a lot more passing attempts versus rushing attempts this year compared to last. So, yeah, I, I 100% agree. The offensive line is the reason why our rushing attempts per, like, just a 
per efficiency were def were so much lower since they're all inexperienced. Mm -hmm. But I mean, rightfully so, we put more emphasis on Zach Smith, who I think is probably like our best offensive player. Yeah. Like I don't know. That's that's not that's very tough. I'm like not fully committed. Zach Smith is our best because you got Shamari Brooks, who's really talented, and he's I really probably like not our most talented, Stokes. like going to the next level. But he's definitely the most, like obviously the most important because he's quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, I know yeah, Ryan's go got a couple hand. offensive coordinators that he really, or at yeah. least one that he really wants. So that's, I got two. That's, I, that's I an interesting. But I think we should because you think about it. What like Monty first started doing when he came, it was kind of it wasn't like he, he didn't come up with it. But the whole thing was his whole like was pace, right? Mm-hmm. But that's kind of like everybody does that now, so it's not yeah, as, it's it's I not know. as like it's like it was like a trick, and the trick it's like everybody does it. That's why like Chip Kelly isn't as successful now with UCLA as he was with Oregon, partially. I mean, there's other reasons too, but like a lot of that is it's like like Chip Kelly was the first guy to do that, and he had all these like new things nobody's seen. But it's been like ten years. Everybody does it now, so the whole the the trick he had isn't great, and I feel like Monty's still running that whole thing. And you like you look at the offense. And I feel like there's a lot of like it's not exactly like triple option like Navy, but like offenses in the college football and NFL do a lot of stuff before the snap to trick you. And when you watch like a Tulsa game, doesn't it feel like the before the snap for every play is exactly the same? Yeah, you put five looking, wide receivers looking at the out. Line. It's it's it, we we line up the exact same way every time. It's not just like there's not like a lot of like creativity or in, like just yeah like new things he's trying to do. Yeah, I don't know, and that can. Uh... Like like that I was saying, maybe maybe the offensive coordinator is an answer there to you know at least have a, another mind inside the offense instead of the the single mind of Philip Montgomery, um, and so on on that road uh, we can go down that. So like one of the big um, like the prevailing sentiment, the, there was a comment um, that there will be personnel discussions um, throughout the next like month or two uh, once once it was decided that Montgomery is going to be staying um, in a bunch of meetings from now from now probably into late December, early January. Um, there'll be meetings about personnel changes if they need to happen, what they should be. And kind of the prevailing sentiment is possibly an offensive coordinator being hired. Um, obviously, you know, we, we haven't had one. It's been Philip Montgomery. Uh, he likes, he wants to call the plays, wants to do it, but it might be out of his hands at this point. I think it is. Um, so hopefully in terms of, yeah, I know in terms of, uh, who we could, go for there's there's tons of names um but the two that i personally am most excited about chad morris and uh, one that i didn't know a ton about until um people told me about it on twitter brendan marion so we can talk about both of those guys a little bit that was the one i was thinking of i couldn't remember his name is he an xt yeah. receiver yeah yeah where so does co- where does he coach sorry will and mary that's what it is because I, I was googling yeah. saint mary's i couldn't remember yeah. what school was <laughs> yep uh, so let's let's talk about those two guys a lot. I think both of those would be I would be thrilled if we got either one of them. Um, I was thinking about Brendan Marion for our next coach before the year, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with Chad Morris because I've got way more stuff on Brendan Marion. Um, Do we also want to talk about like unicorns and like rainbows and flying pigs if we're going to talk about Chad Morris? <laughs> yeah, because that's not going to happen. Well, that's that's why I want to start with him because I feel like it's it's much less likely to get him. Um, there's a whole bunch of complications around if we could even hire him. Uh, but yeah, anyways, he was. Offensive coordinator and associate head coach at Tulsa in 2010 uh, under Todd Graham. He was here for one season. He moved from there to Clemson. He was the offensive coordinator there for a, for a bit. Um, then, you know, became SMU's head coach, moved from SMU to Arkansas, never won a Power 5 game at Arkansas in two years there, uh, so he was fired. Um, so now he sits. Uh, Arkansas, you know, bought him out and fired him. So 
there's some complications around whether we can even hire him with the Arkansas buyout because I think apparently the rule might be that if you hire somebody while they are still getting paid by another university, they no longer get paid that money. And I'm sure the Arkansas buyout is much more money than we would be paying him as an offensive coordinator. So uh, not sure if he would even accept the job, um, but he does have a history with Tulsa. Uh, knows, you know, under Todd Graham, um, has coached a bunch, like Clemson's offensive coordinator. He turned like helped turn them around big time. Um, but I don't know how much of an influence that was, but did a good job at SMU, did a terrible job at Arkansas, but knows the conference, did well in the conference with SMU and all that. I just, I don't know. I feel like Tulsa would be like, he's going to step down his next job. Not going to, he's not going to get a head coach job in my opinion, Mm. but I feel like he won't step down all the way to offensive coordinator at university of Tulsa. I think it'll be like a offensive uh, coordinator at like a P five. I agree with you. I feel like that's, more likely going to happen and it still might not even be this year it might be next year i also feel like that would be like very clash of uh to get like a x aac coach as the offensive coordinator with like montgomery i could i don't know if that meshes well i don't know i don't see why not just because he's a former head coach like a just yeah, from like a pride standpoint would morris like be able to defer no i mean it'd be way more likely if we were to fire montgomery maybe chad morris but yeah i agree with matt yeah yeah, that's why I think I think Chad's the you know not very likely thing. I'd be super excited if, the name. if it happened, but it is the name. It'd yeah. be fun, you know. Those are those are two guys that have big histories in Texas. Uh, Chad Morris famously had the SMU recruiting class that was 100% Texas recruits. That was the first time that had ever happened at SMU, at least. Um, so you know he knows the area well, and we recruit a ton out of Texas. So that, that would be cool. Chad Morris was taken down by his own uh, by his own player, though. His obsession, oh, ben Hicks. His obsession <laughs> oh, with ben one, Hicks. Yeah. with one player led yeah. to his downfall. Yeah, so I mean that's that's more of just a fun option. I would be. I really don't think that's gonna more likely. Um, and that's been the the guy that's been kind of brought up in the Twitter sphere. Um, is Brennan Marion? Is that based by TU fans though? Yeah, but okay. you know that's a, you know that's how discussion starts basically. Yeah, well, what he was not, a, how many Hyde? non-TU fans yeah. are gonna like discuss in Tulsa's offensive coordinator hiring? <laughs> yeah. I know, but like so like no legit sources. I'm saying. Um, I mean, they're, they're uh, act, no acting like our Twitter fans are not legitimate sources. But before the year I start, before the year started, there was Sorry an article Kelly Hines shared. She didn't write it, but it was somebody wrote about like top, like up and coming coordinators in the country, mm-hmm. and Brendan Marion was one of them. Nice. Obviously, she shared it because he's the next Tulsa guy. But yeah, you look at what he's done. He's small schools, Howard, William Mary, mm-hmm. still. But like this kind of hire makes sense. It's a clear stepping stone for him. He seems like a very talented coordinator. Like both of his stops, the offenses have like gotten better because of him. What kind of offense do they run at William Mary? So, it's called the Go-Go offense, and I'll tell you about it. I don't know a ton about the specifics of it, but he has a book about the Go-Go offense that he wrote. Um, Brendan Marion? Yeah. Is it, is, it With, called, is it called the playbook? No, it's called Go-Go offense. Um, and the, he has a four. So, Gus Mazan used to be the offensive coordinator at Tulsa. Um, and Brendan Marion played under Gus Malzahn. So, the forward to his book is by Gus Malzahn. It's really cool. Uh but yeah, um, it's called the Go-Go Offense. The book, quote, takes you through the ins and outs of his Go-Go Offense that has lit up defenses and scoreboards from the high school to the collegiate levels. The Go-Go Offense gives you the philosophy, formations, and staple plays of the most explosive offensive scheme in football. Coach Marion even goes into what personnel you should look for to fit within the offense. It's a great read for coaches, analysts, and fans alike. Malzahn was the offensive coordinator in 2007. Um, Marion played under him there um, under Todd Graham. So... Yeah, former TU receiver, uh, actually set the NCAA FBS yards per catch record in a single season. Did not know that until I looked up more about him at 31.9 yards, which Jeez. is unbelievable. 
How is that possible? How many, how many catches? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but he led the he led the nation in yards per reception two years in a row. Uh, he was first team All Conference USA his senior year. Tore his ACL in literally like the worst case scenario. His his senior year, Tulsa's final play of the final of the cha- on the wow. Conference USA championship Jeez. games tears his ACL. And before that, he was invited to the NFL Combine, but now he can't participate. Um, so he goes you know goes through the draft, doesn't get drafted probably because of that ACL tear. He's signed by the Dolphins as an undrafted free agent. And then training camp, he's there doing his thing, tears his ACL again in training camp, done. Doesn't play doesn't play in the NFL. So really unfortunate situation there. Um, so went into coaching, uh, spent some time in high school, like coaching uh, at high schools in California and Pennsylvania, um, and then got into college levels. Um, he was an assistant with Arizona State, Oklahoma Baptist, uh, then the offensive coordinator at Howard, and now he is currently, like Pat mentioned, the offensive coordinator at William & Mary, uh, where he runs his go-go offense, which if he becomes the coordinator, I'm absolutely buying that book. Totally going to read it. That'd be fun. Um, I think he like makes a ton more sense than Chad Morris. I'm sure we could pay him less than Chad Morris. He played here, has the history here. Fans would be excited about it. Seems like a good answer. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have a... Are there other names you've heard thrown out there or anything like that? Or do you think this guy is the, is the one we should go for? Or do you think we shouldn't hire an offensive coordinator and save some money for next year? Or we should what? definitely not not hire an offensive coordinator. Like, yeah. I feel like if this is a, I will be incredibly pissed off if we're like, yeah, we're not going to fire Montgomery, and we're also not going to change anything about our organization. That just <laughs> that just reads like, yeah, we think there should be changes, but we're not willing to do anything. So if we don't. <laughs> hire somebody i'm gonna be like angrily purchasing my season tickets for next season (laughs) i would say i don't know if this is like the guy's the right hire but this route is the right hire yeah going from like looking at lower levels and success from there and see how we can take that and basically like move it up yeah Mm -hmm. because i feel like you get a lot of the lower level type transitions you get maybe like more creativity or more like diversity in the like style of offenses you're going to run versus yeah going from like somebody that's like already super successful plus i mean there's not a lot of lateral movements anywhere in fbs where you'd say like hey would you want to be the offensive coordinator at tulsa instead of your current school which is a bigger football program than tulsa just from a number of student what are you talking about wise. i'm just saying like we'd have to go oh. some like it's fcs like, like fun belt like yeah. Movie, yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like I don't know if anybody from the Sun Belt like moves laterally to yeah. Tulsa for an offensive coordinator unless they're like a positions coach type thing. Which... Yeah. Sorry, I got caught in a hole. Looking back at the 2009 Tulsa football season, we were so good. Dude. Except for when we played Houston. We lost 70 to 30. Besides, take out that game. The other two games, we, we both lost by three. So, yeah. one against Arkansas, one against East Carolina when East Carolina was still good. So, could have gone. Yeah, I mean, Todd, Todd Graham uh, had uh, had Montgomery been fired. A lot of people wanted, um, you know, a lot of people just talking about Todd Graham potentially Todd Graham coming back. Like a piece of shit. That's what. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. We could have talked about Todd Graham for a long time. I think had uh, Todd Graham is like if you were like making like a really cheesy movie about how bad college football is, I would base the head coach off of Todd Graham. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Everything so. that's wrong with like college sports, Todd Graham just like personifies. But which is sometimes good. We were successful. Evil, evil helps evil. Yeah. True. So I don't know enough about offensive coordinators in the college ranks to offer any other solutions, but uh, I definitely think 
one is needed and would be cool if they got somebody that brings something unique. Yeah, I love reading about it. So I hope like I would like it more if this was all, you know, hopefully this gets decided. Somebody says we're going to hire an offensive coordinator and then like the Tulsa world gets to put out an article with like all these prospects and we can read about them all and talk about them on the show. And that would be fun. Instead of it just being like, hey, we uh, hired an offensive yeah. coordinator last week. Forgot to tell you. My <laughs> yeah, bad. Exactly. That's how I mean, he's going to do it. I feel like, I mean, that's not, it wouldn't be like my bad or whatever. I know no, you're joking, yeah, but, but it would um, be like our apologies. Yeah, all right. I mean, it'd be, it's just fun to, you know, it's always fun to speculate on stuff like that. So hopefully they can be upfront with what's going on and they're not just going to do everything behind closed doors. And all of a sudden we have an offensive coordinator and it'd be fun. You know, when we have one, we can talk about that, but it'd be more fun if we can also talk about he, who we want. Also what Brendan Marion could help with is he's from the air area and obviously offensive coordinators are big with recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. So no we doubt. can't, I mean, so it, it's, it's a lot easier to hire somebody who knows the, what is it? We call this like the Texas region really. Yeah, pretty like much. Oklahoma, Texas area, because uh-huh. it's like if we hire somebody from the Northeast or California, even it's like they might not have the uh, the roots with recruiting here. Yeah, yep, it's true. Um, so I mean, I, I don't know. It'd be it'd be very fun. He's an exciting guy to think about coming on. I don't know, you know, I don't know much about how he feels about William and Mary. If he wants to stay there or whatever, you know, sometimes I'd be surprised. I guess, but I, I think to you could offer a nice incentive in like <laughs> yeah. dollar signs. Yeah, that would be more than William and Mary. Yeah, I, I would I would expect as well. So. Um, so we'll see. Very exciting, though. So we'll see what happens there. Hopefully we get more information about that over the next week or two. Um, they said probably no announcements would be made until like after December 12th. So, I mean, that's what is today. The, they is specified today, December 12th? The 8th. Yeah, well, there's something on the 12th. I can't remember. There was some... Is that like end of season? God, I, I'm blanking on this. There's some event on the 12th. They said it, no announcements would be made before whatever event that was. I, can't, I just can't remember what it was. Um, but that should be, you know, next week, hopefully maybe we'll know more by then. Um, so final football thing, uh, before we get into basketball real final quick, football thing well, or... just on, uh, what do you mean? What else is there? Uh, we're going to do more stuff on a, uh, like season break. Oh yeah. Okay. Never mind. Not final football thing. Um, next foot, <laughs> next football thing. Uh, so the American all conference selections were made, uh, last week and Tulsa, I don't think, I don't think Tulsa had any first teamers last year, right? No. Yeah, I mean, I can I will. A lot of second teamers. A lot of yeah. So this year, very fun. First two first teamers. Um, one you would definitely expect in Travis Gibson. One you would also probably definitely expect, especially his second half of the year in Reggie Robinson. Uh, so huge congrats to those two guys making the first team All Conference team. And then second team, we had three guys: Cooper Edmondson, Zayvon Collins, and Shamari Brooks. Shamari being the only offensive selection uh, between the first and second teams for Tulsa. So very fun, uh, very cool for for all those guys, all five of them, making you know post postseason honors. Always very cool, especially when you're coming from a four and eight team. It's a nice recognition that we do have a lot of talent on the team. Getting the two first teamers on there, so congrats to them. Yeah, and it, I mean it makes sense that the uh, our two first teamers are probably our two most like legit NFL prospects that we have mm-hmm. on the team. Like, yeah, no doubt. Both of them got invited to the Senior Bowl. Yep. And uh, I don't know, Pat. You were talking about you really like you think Reggie's got like a sleeper shot right yeah because he's got good size for a corner sorry my computer noise sound was on um i don't know i feel like one both of those positions are very important in the nfl so that's good for them like it's more like like i don't know our running backs aren't going to get drafted uh probably not no because running backs not as important but yeah he's got good size for a corner the one thing that will probably if you watch his tape that will hurt him is his like 10 million pass interference calls yeah but 
those they never get called in the NFL. You can overturn them now. It's oh, not, that's true. It's not a big deal. That's you know, true. I think I feel like actually of our running backs right now, the most likely to get drafted is probably TK, because he's got the size, got the size, yeah, and the power. Shamari's too small, and, the, and he doesn't really—he's not really a pass catcher. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. So it's it's both of them. I think Gibson is actually better. Oh yeah. Especially he has eight. You just look at it. He has eight sacks and like the worst pass rushing design defense. I know. And like I'm telling you, man, the uh, it it none, none of this matters because we just don't know their their measurables. Yeah. Like once if they get combine or pro day or whatever, like we mm-hmm. gotta see if I mean if Reggie Robinson runs a four six, he's not getting drafted. Yeah. Right. If Travis Gibson runs a five zero, he's not gonna get yeah. whatever he, his bench press and all that stuff and and their uh, the shuttle. So, I think. I mean, I, I feel like Travis has got to be there. Like he, he's also older. They're both. That's actually both older. of them. Yeah, they're, both they're, both 50, they're both fifty. They're both fifty or seniors. Yeah, right. So they're extra old. But I mean, like, had a. It just annoys 50s. me still. Like we've talked about it before, how how weird it is that how weird they count sacks in college football. Like, had that been normal, I mean, everybody's would go up if you know running quarterbacks doesn't count as a sack, even if you hit them like five yards on the backfield. Well, that um, that makes sense though, because they're clearly, when they're clearly runners, like, but sometimes tackle, they're not clearly like, oh, I, really? yeah, like East Carolina or no, it was a, uh, anytime Malcolm um, Perry has the ball, he's yeah. assumed runner. Yeah. Was but, UC, uh, was what was the, yeah, UCF. He had, um, well, no, it was, uh, Oh, Houston. Houston. Yeah. yeah. Tr- he had, tuned. he only had one sack officially, but he had definitely like, I just looked watching the game, like definitely looked like two. One of them didn't count because it was a runner and it could have been a third one also. So it just takes away from the number, and I really wanted him to get to ten this year. I feel like he deserved the ten. Getting, like he, dude, he getting eight on all the tackles for lot. I'm not saying it's a bad deal. Yeah, no. If you watch the tape, though, some of his plays are just so explosive. I know, man. He's getting yeah. the way he gets in the backfield. Yeah, I would say he's more like he's most likely to end up as like a right D end. Because mm. the other thing, if you just look at the tape, he's a really good run defender for a D end. Yeah, that can be kind of so. I'd say they put him on the strong side. Because he's, he's big, too. Yeah. He's like 6'4", like 260. Yeah, no. I'm just, uh, I think sacks need to be removed from the game of football. They're meaningless. <laughs> what? No, G- they're give me not. Tackles, give me tackles for loss all day well, over they, sacks. They, they, Matt, they, they also track that. <laughs> I know, but you don't need – like, counting your sacks isn't as important as tackles for loss, in my it, opinion. They're much different. <laughs> they are. What the <laughs> – why are you making that face? Why am I making what face? I, I mean, just – I think – you, you don't think so? You don't think, think like the stopping sack, a quarterback I think, I think the more... sacks are the saves of college football stouts. No. <laughs> Fight. Okay, so uh, let's do um, kind of a, a season recap sort of um, of the season real quick. Uh, we'll try to keep this short-ish. We're already sitting at 35 minutes or so. Um, so preseason we did kind of our breakout player, and then we also did who we think you know is going to lead the offense and lead the defense, things like that. So let's get into that. Um so breakout player, we'll start with that and how how we wound up here. I feel like we all did pretty well in breakout player. Um, Matt cheated. Though. I didn't cheat. It's not cheating. Matt slightly cheated. I did. <laughs> I had my reasoning is justified. It is. Uh, yeah, we should. have. So I feel like the fault is our own for not making the rules clearer. But you should have known, man. <laughs> Anyways, it was, it was not like a player that had never done anything that then became like good. It was who broke out, and. I'm just going to go because uh, my breakout player of the season, if as everybody remembers, was Keelan Stokes. Because Keelan Stokes had never had like 1,000 yards in a season, except this year. This year he finished with 62 catches for 1,040 yards, six touchdowns. That's all, that's 16.8 yards per catch. Like Man. That's very impressive. He, who, who was our best receiver last year? Yeah, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> but Answer the that, question. What is that? Answer the question. 
<laughs> I will not. Uh, but it was the tight end position group as usual last year, just like it was this year. Okay. Um, okay. Being our best receiver though doesn't like necessarily like our receivers were definitely not our good position group last year, and so as our wide receivers as a group broke out, Keelan Stokes was our best offensive playmaker. And so just because he was the best wide receiver we have doesn't mean like he wasn't he didn't break out even more this year. Like the three year the, the year three jump was huge. It's like four hundred yards additional receiving. I guess we should rename it to player who will break out on the scene that Tulsa fans probably don't know that much about. <laughs> it's a little wordy, but it kind but everybody of did it up. everybody did know a ton about him last year. That's so what I'm saying. That's yeah, what but just like knowing about it, like no. Like, oh, you're saying that's what it should be next year. Like, we yeah. knew he was good, but he hadn't shown that he would, he could, like, he would get to yeah. that point yet until this mm, year. I think he showed it last year. He just had the worst quarterbacks. Right, yeah. It's not. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> good luck with your 700-yard receiver. Mine? Yeah. Mine was the best breakout player, no uh, doubt. Nobody even, hardly anybody had this guy on their radar preseason, except me. Sam Crawford Jr., sophomore, um, lit it up this year was our i think our second leading receiver behind keelan stokes after not doing anything last year like literally i think he was only on special teams and came in like two games last year 770 yards 59 catches yeah he's a stud so i am very proud of my breakout player of the year selection and i will take the crown for the for the best choice there you crown yourself yes. no one else crowns you yeah well uh, see the problem I with mine, i should have picked one who because i mean d tackles don't get gaudy stats i picked jackson player who was the best? That was also a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He got the only negative is like him being out for a couple games hurt his mm-hmm. case. But I mean, when he was there, he was very effective. Yeah. The get off boat, bro. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Every time he's the first guy in the backfield. Yeah. I mean, even uh, like a bunch of opposing coaches this year would talk about Gibson and Player and Zayvon Collins. Those are like the three guys they always brought up. Yeah. He is seriously, but he was just so effective. It's really funny because like, Six foot D tackles. You don't see that very often. He's very small for his position. Yeah, but he's just so quick on the inside. Still blocked a kick or two. He bought. He had the forced fumble in the East Carolina game. Yeah, um, it's really effective. He. I mean, would you say? I would argue he's probably going to be next year the second best player on defense of our returning guys. Mm, yeah, I mean, could definitely see it. Like you're saying, Zavin number one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Allie Green could have a big senior year. I could see. He's kind of. I don't know. Allie Green's really talented. He's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Dude, he got into it, the East Carolina game, with uh, C.J. Anderson, or Robinson Anderson. I don't remember what his last name was. The East Carolina receiver. And, man, that was – he got burnt a bunch of times, too. But they were, like, talking trash to each other all game. It was very fun to watch. Was that number five? Who's yeah. scoring the uh-huh. touchdowns? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think, obviously, I'm not biased, but I was the best. <laughs> we can crown uh, all three of us there. I think all of our players broke out, and it was a good. Uh, we're good at picking. Yeah. Hey guys, there you go. Good point, that Tulsa Matt. Has. We're just all very smart. Uh, okay, so let's do offensive player of the year. Who wants to start with that one? I start. I mean, I will start again, but I don't want to just okay, keep going. I'll start. First. Offensive player of the year. Um, I did not really prepare this in advance. I'm going to say Zach Smith because I think he made the biggest difference on our offense. Um, no doubt. So I'll, I'll go with Zach Smith. I mean, had a good year. Uh, got hurt the one game, but not that really didn't really matter. Um, still won it the, the game he was out. So, uh, yeah, he had an awesome year. I mean, he's a you know big time guy, big player. He's got 
physically, he's got all everything you look for. He's got the arm. He's got the body type. Took tons of shots all season. Like got hit over and over again. Ryan describing his offensive player of the year or his man crush. Both, absolutely both. Um, yeah, he's awesome. So I I am uh, I'm sold on Zach Smith for next year. I'm looking forward to having having him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach Smith was definitely the most important, but I feel like he wasn't the best player. I feel like Stokes was probably the best player on offense. Yeah. So I'm going to give it to Keelan Stokes. Can't argue with that. Even though he didn't break out. Because he broke out last year, Matt. <laughs> um, so I gave it to Zach Smith as well, um, and I will provide some of the numbers behind Ryan and I's decision. Um, and I think that's because Zach Smith does a lot to unlock uh, a lot of the potential that this offense actually has. Um, and so I just want to go quickly through some of the stats, uh, 2018 versus 2019. Uh Points per game, we went up from 22.8 to 26.4, so that's almost four points per game more. We averaged mm, 50 yards more per game, uh, 98 more passing yards per game. Rushing yards dropped by about 60 yards per game. Yards per play went up by 0.3. Third down uh, conversion percentage went up by 2.5%. Our red zone scoring percentage, that's field goals and touchdowns, went up four uh, percent our field goal percentage went up seven and a half percent zach smith is the reason zach smith <laughs> yeah. is the only reason why because we were slightly closer right uh shorter distance yeah that makes sense sacks went down uh, or i guess up so they were negative yeah uh, turnovers per game went down by 0.3 uh, for the season and our passer rating jumped up by like 20 points for the mm-hmm. season uh the only big net penalty that happens uh is penalties um, and that's not really on Zach Smith so much as our offensive line being inexperienced. Yeah. But I think you can see a, a huge improvement across the board uh, just in our offense, and a lot of that can be pointed directly at. Yeah, I mean, we have like a quarterback that we can rely on, even though uh, it might take too much emphasis away from the run game, which I think is the balance that needs to be mm-hmm. found next year. And you mentioned the penalties, and I don't have the numbers with me to back this up, but I am very confident in, in it. Uh, I feel like they significantly decreased second half of the season. Is that, is that right? Because, I mean, first half of the year, it was brutal. I mean, we still finished, like, bottom 10, I think, in the country. Yeah, I mean, we um, still we averaged 9.1 for the season. I can look I can look at our last three games. Because we were straight up last for, like, a while. Um, yeah. And then... Even on top of that, the offensive line got significantly better as the season went on, too, which you'd expect with a young line. I mean, that's how that's how it goes. But uh, they they did get they did get a lot better. Um, so having all of those guys back, pretty much, except I think Chris Ivy uh, is the only one leaving. Um, that should be solid. I mean, Tyler Smith came in uh, in in uh, to to back him up when when Ivy went down, and Tyler Smith looked pretty good. He let up some. You know, I remember a couple of times he let up some sacks, but. So Overall, yeah, good. penalties were good um, in the lat- later half. Like on the year, it was 9.1 penalties per game. Um, they were trending downwards until ECU was bad. We had 12 against East Carolina. But oh, you mean they were trending well, like they less were fewer penalties poorly for us, more penalties. Yeah, it was trending fewer penalties per game. Yeah, but then ECU got a huge uptick. ECU, we had a bunch of them. We had 12. Wow, I do not remember. Um, but, I mean, last year we had seven penalties per game, so that's almost two more penalties per game. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it, it actually is more than that. So, yeah, uh, offensive player of the year, Zach Smith. Cool. Ooh, fun fact, had a worse passer rating or worse QBR than Luke Skipper from last season. 
Hmm. But Luke Skipper wasn't didn't meet the qualifications for QBR. <laughs> Why? But not enough play time by the end of the season. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, okay, defense player of the year. Pat, you got to start this one. Uh, I think it's obvious. Travis Gibson. He's completely dominant and really just our best player and a game changer in a scheme that does not help his position. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody who could overtake that, and I can't. Yeah, it depends, like, what's your, like, you could if you picked, like, man, my defensive player of the year is only the person who had the most interceptions. And you got Reggie Robinson. Like, there's your choice. It would also be the guy with but the if, most pass interference calls. Then, yeah. then it's between Reggie Robinson and Brandon Johnson. Like, it's yeah. it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I agree with Pat. Travis Gibson was the MVP game changer. Uh, I think he did. He had the most impact on uh, our opponents' just ability to play football. Mm-hmm. He had 15 tackles for loss, eight sacks, two forced fumbles. I mean, he was a monster out there. Yep, hard to argue. I mean, yeah, Reggie, I mean, Cooper Edmondson led the conference in tackles, so he's probably up there somewhere, uh, or he definitely is up there somewhere. Doesn't get enough recognition for what he's done for three years straight now. He is, like, consistently good, but he's never uber-dominant to be our best player he's on James Well, he doesn't, like, he doesn't make, like, the big splash plays. Yeah, other than, like, he had probably the best defensive play of the season mm-hmm. uh, against the Wyoming, Wyoming. Yeah. and I'll say, like, that is probably my favorite defensive play. Yeah, that was awesome. Because that was clutch. That was a splashy play. It was, for sure. I would say... Like, over across the board, I think, like, he's really good. He's a reason why our defense was good, but he's yeah. not... He what didn't so much change the game. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't see him as much, like, blowing up blocks and making huge hits on people. Yeah, yeah I want to see how many... Where, uh, sorry. I want to see where his tackles happened. No, like, is field. good, but he seems like the guy who, they're like... He reminds me of James Laronitis on the Rams back in the day, where James Laronitis would, like, lead the team in tackles every year. But he also like NFL tracks it. He would have the mo- he led the league in tackles ten yards past like, oh, downfield. Yeah. yeah, feels like a lot of Coopers are that. Yeah, compared to Collins, who's also right. lump- who's left better, who makes a lot more game changing and solo tackles. Right, and I, I like that's not really so much on Cooper that he's like tackling them after their running game gets through us. It's yeah, but but also tackles are the saves of football, not sacks. You're wrong. You're basic. <laughs> All right, what else do we want to do? Breakout special, player, offensive? Special teams player of the year. Oh. Yeah, right. Hard. Is. Super hard. I mean, it's got to be Thomas Ray. Bennett, right? Kadarian Ray. Yeah, I mean, uh, he made some or big actually, plays. probably Bryson Powers. Bryson Powers forced two fumbles on uh, on special teams. Yeah. Uh, right, let me, let me tell Let me. What about the What about the person who went 37 for 37 on extra points? Oh, the, 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 on, the, on the five-yard field goal. Is that, is that Jacob Rainey? That was Jacob Rainey. Perfect for extra, oh, extra point points. attempts, but, like, 60, <laughs> but like 61% on yeah. field goals. Not even. Yeah, not going to give it to him. Sorry. Um, we'll see. Who, it'll be interesting to see who's the kicker next year because we've got the scholarship guy, Tyler Tipton, coming in. Um, could see him winning that job. I don't, but, know, if, I don't know if his leg's going to be uh, D1 football ready, though. Why? <laughs> it's a step up from high school. The yeah. F- the field is uh, that much longer, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so last thing, so we talked about start of the season, we each had three key factors that we said we're going to make or break the season for us. Um, so Pat, you had average yards per pass attempt. Ryan's was total QBR and mine was yards per third down attempt. So, uh, just comparing this to last year kind of thing. So our average yards per pass attempt this season, 7.6, that's up a full yard from last season. Uh, when you combine 
uh, Seth Boomer and Luke Skipper were both 6.67 on the season. I did not include Keenan Johnson because he skews the number. Seth Boomer and Luke Skipper Luke Skipper had the same? I combined them. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I oh, did not have the what same. are the chances of that? <laughs> no, I just <laughs> combined together. I did not include Keenan Johnson because his numbers were so good. He's like should not be compared to normal quarterbacks. He did play quarterback in high school. Did you know that? I know, but that's why he's, yeah. he's too good. Uh, so Ryan, QBR, Zach Smith finished the season with a 50.9, which was 88th in the country. Man, I'm surprised it was that low. Seth Boomer had 29.4 last season, oh, which God. was 121st <laughs> out of 128. Uh, and then Luke Skipper finished with 53.1, but was not considered a qualified uh, quarterback for the leaderboard for last season. So that's still a, a big jump up. Mm-hmm. For that, uh, but Seth Boomer did have the same QBR as Zach Smith did on his one game. So yeah. Uh, and last but not least, this is one I can't actually compare to last year because that would be really hard. If I found out, but our average yards to go on third down seven point five two. Started out really high, middle of the season started to trend down, and then went right back up by the end of the well, season. Average yards per what? Per third down attempt. Oh. So I mean that's kind of bad because that means on the first three on the first two downs you're getting less than a quarter of the total yardage you need mm-hmm. so the positive uh is that we did go up on yards per play from last season to 5.1 but that's not enough to convert third down there in that but we were good at converting third down like we were 40th in the country but we made it as like very difficult for ourselves and i think that's kind of why a lot of our drives ended up stalling out. So those three factors, uh, without any more explanation, are the reason why we finished 4-8 and eight this year, <laughs> clearly. Very nice. Okay, uh, let's move on from football and get to some basketball. So last week, or the last couple of weeks, I guess, like last week and a half, um, we had four games and looked, I don't know, very, very mixed, very bad recently. Um uh, First but, three, very good. Yes. First, first three games of the year we covered. Was that right? Yep. Wow. Weird. Uh, so we had, and I'm also going to include their Ken Palm rankings. So South Carolina State, 342. Vanderbilt, 123. Pretty good. Arkansas Pine Bluff, 339th. Arkansas State, which was yesterday, as of we're recording on Sunday. Uh, they were 255 when we played them. They have jumped up 21 spots to 234. So we won three of those games. We won against South Carolina State, Vanderbilt, and Pine Bluff, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and then we lost yesterday to Arkansas State, who I saw. Uh, thank you, Tulsa Hop, for the nice breakdown. Um, Arkansas State, when we played them, 255 Ken Palm. That is the worst team that has won in the Reynolds Center since 2002. Very bad. Man. Did you see what happened? It's like what happened to Mizzou this week. They lost to someone who was like 330-something in columbia no i did not see that yeah so it's like teams that we are somewhat connected to just giving up worst (laughs) losses like home losses ever yeah i mean so we're we're seven and two now which you know looks good from the outside but not when you look at our strength of schedule that's what i was just going to say according to teamrankings.com they rank everybody's strength of schedule on all out of all the 353 division one basketball teams we have the 276th hardest schedule that is the worst in the American Conference uh, behind Tulane, who is 273rd, I think. Um, so we've played basically nobody. Vanderbilt is the only pretty much competent team that we've played. We won that game. Uh, UT Arlington. Arlington. It was good. Yeah, you're right. 
Um, I just forgot about them. Uh, so I also tried to forget about that game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, they just like on, they just dominated us. It wasn't yeah. even close. I know. It was like fifteen point loss, something like that, right? And it was they were up twenty yeah. most of the game. Yeah. Um. So, very, very, very weak schedule so far. Uh, Arkansas State was like I said, two hundred fifty fifth in Ken Palm. They were picked to finish tenth in the Sun Belt preseason. Uh, you know, preseason polls can me can kind of be meaningless, but they do show where they were last year. Frank Haith charts his entire life expected <laughs> record on preseason projections. Um, but man, barely above. It is brutal to lose to that team, and that ends. So Tulsa had a 19 game home non conference winning streak going on. Uh, ended that one with <laughs> Arkansas State of all teams, and like I said, the worst team to win at the Reynolds Center in terms of Ken Palm rate rankings since 2002. Yeah, almost since like two weeks ago when southeastern Louisiana almost like stole it from us. Yeah, we were playing pretty bad until Vanderbilt. Which, yeah, this is the Vanderbilt. thing that blows my mind. Like to have a game like this against Arkansas State right after like the Vandy game was good. The yeah, Pine so Bluff frustrating. Game, like, we were we were starting. We to, won like, by thirty-two against Pine Bluff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you go South Carolina State, Vandy, Pine Bluff, and then this. This is not the kind of game like we seem to be trending in the like. Well, there's no trend. Right direction. Oh, we, we seemed to be, yeah. Yeah, because right. we were like we had talked about the, like the last time we had we recorded, we were talking about we weren't blowing teams out that we needed to be beating. Yeah. And then the next game we went by like 30, 31. <laughs> I know. And then we beat Vandy on the road, and then we blow up Pine Bluff. Like we were looking. Yeah. Good, like I mean, Vandy. Was, we beat Vandy handily too. Yeah. We looked like a very strong team until against they Vanderbilt. started pressing us. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Um, but yeah, no. But against Vandy, we yeah. like. I think it seems like this team is very good at defense. That's definitely yeah. the calling card. Yeah, no doubt. Um, considering our two best players are Rochelle and Jackson. Yeah. But God, I we can't. We can't take advantage of the free points. Free throws and layups. Yeah, free throws and like shots that. Well, you Well, free take throws when we did fine last yeah, game. Free, at least. free throws were not really that bad. Right. I, I'm referring more to shots that you take when you're directly under the basket and yeah. are wide open. Yeah, and I was telling you guys this before we started today, but well, um, yeah. Sorry. You know, that, this goes to my point where I said in the Vandy game, I like Ugbo better because he can just dunk it. Yeah. Ubanu <laughs> can't just go one hop and dunk. He needs like a moving yeah. start. He's too short. Anytime against the Vandy game, they would just dump it off to him, and Ugbo's so tall, he could just dunk it. And I've yeah. also seen Ugbo throw in, like, he's had a nice couple little hooks that the, have gone in. Last, in the last blowout one, he yeah. had a couple good post ups. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think he could do that. So I'm know. still not sure he can against like real competition. Yeah, that could be. He's very good though, just standing in the dunker spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a like I was like I was saying. Um, I told you guys before we started recording, but Haith, um, again, like this is like the third or fourth time this season that he said something like this in a post game interview. Uh, that we need to stop missing these wide open, like point blank layups. And he, you know, he's not going to say Igbanu specifically. Um, he's not going to call him out like that. But obviously, that's who he's talking about. He had another another brutal game against Arkansas State. Uh, and this is just, I mean, it's not what he did last year. Like last, like we've, I said it a couple episodes ago, last season, second in the conference in uh, field goal percentage. And now he's, what was he, 5 of 11 against Arkansas State? From, on um, twos, yeah. Which the, with a bunch of those coming right at the basket being open shots. Uh, so, I mean, he's supposed to be the leader, like the captain of this team. Um, that, can't, that can't happen if we're going to be a successful basketball team. So it sucks. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard to figure out why that's happening, like, I just don't. I don't get it. I don't know if he had a bad off season or, or what. If it's just early season jitters or something like that. Um, but he needs to needs to step it up if possible. I mean, because it's not going to go well if, if we keep doing that. Fortunately, uh, Brandon Rochelle had an, another great game. Just keeps his 
super high production going. He was six of eight, 17 points, uh, led the team as usual. Uh, also notable, Corita was out that game. And a talking point of at least people on the Tulsa world is that we very often play worse when Corita's not in the lineup. Like last year, I think we lost to Lamar or something. Or that was two years. I don't remember. We had some terrible game last year when Corita was out against a bad team also. And I don't know how applicable all of that is. This year when Corita was playing, but... Yeah, but we're winning them mostly. <laughs> Barely. Like, he's the heart of the team. Like it's not necessarily. I I really think the... there is something to it. I mean, I know it's. I know Free. you guys don't think so, but I think he should be playing. He's been. Have you noticed he has been much yeah, better? I, I just don't and think our team start. Been, that's yeah, my, yeah, that's my. And he's no, been much I better off the bench. I, yeah. So I agree with all of that stuff. So I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, we now. also just are like. We, I was more. I was more, I was more like why is basketball players shit? Even though like these guys would run circles yeah my my main point was was always he should not be playing 30 minutes a game i mean you said he should be playing less than 10 minutes a game Mm, am i wrong (laughs) yes no he should be playing like he should be playing like 15 okay the number of games where we win the number of minutes but i mean where he like when when he was getting more minutes than daquan jeffries last year and more minutes than rochelle to start the season a little ridiculous yeah I mean, I do think like we talked, we, me and you were talking about it yesterday. Um, how we don't have that many shooters on the team at one issue. point in today's in today's bat, any baseball, yeah. not as much college as NBA, mm-hmm. but you really need four shooters on the floor, especially with a guy like Ibanu, yeah, who's all about post ups, mm-hmm. and you can just like triple team him because I love Darian Jackson, but nobody respects his shot, yeah. And really, we only have three guys who can shoot well and are willing to take it, and Horn, Jones, and Karita. Yeah, and so Igbanu was sh- like, what did sh- what did he shoot last year? Like eighty percent from two, or seventy? I don't know. No, he shot he shot sixty one percent from two last year. Okay, yeah, maybe I'm just eighty uh, percent like Giannis much. territory. So like, ridiculous. are you <laughs> saying Igbanu is not Giannis? I'm saying that. Yeah, that's a hot take. They both have Nigerian roots. But I mean, no. he's dropped Igbanu this season is shooting like forty three percent from two, which is yeah really horrible. Bad. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's like and like forty three overall. Mm-hmm. Which because he's all two, yeah. He's taken one three, but it's like at least Dryah Horn. He has he's shooting forty percent on the season, but he's also taken what's like his, more what, threes. Yeah, what's twos. his three point attempt rate? It's probably, yeah, yeah, he's, he's taken forty four threes. Yeah, he's so I mean, when you take out Karita, I mean, who we've got Reggie Jones that can shoot the ball. We've got Ooh. Rochelle. What? <laughs> Creed is not our best shooter. If you, I'm, not, is, I'm not saying shooting, he is. He is shooting 39 from three, though. Okay, okay, I'm not saying okay, he's our best. Okay, I would never. Okay. I didn't start attempts, by saying that. Like that's not a bad. Said if you take out Karita, so Reggie Jones, I think is our best shooter. Karita, no, I'm saying Karita if you take is out our third best shooter yeah. right now. I'm saying if you take him out because we last game we oh, didn't have last it. game. Sorry. Yeah. So we had Reggie Jones, who can shoot. We've got Rochelle, who can shoot. He doesn't though. But he doesn't very often. You're right. Uh, from it, three, it, it, it becomes, it's Joiner at that point. Like Joiner well, is our best. Well, see, I, I really do think I really do think Isaiah Hill can shoot the ball. I for whatever reason he just isn't doing it. Um, I think it's an adjustment. Like, are you saying yeah. he isn't doing it well, or he's not because he is taking the attempts? No, I know he's okay. not making them. Yeah. Um, I I do think he has a good shot. Like coming yeah. out of high school, he was a good three point shooter, and I think he'll I think he'll be there as the season goes he on. Kind of has a slow release, but besides that, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So I could he, see him. He's the ultimate like where I look at like advanced stats and stuff Mm -hmm. and he's dog shit but i watched the game and he's good yeah i know (laughs) yeah it's weird because i mean his free throw rate is only he's only shooting 50 percent from freeze free throw yeah whatever and that's i mean isn't there that's a strong correlation yeah that's what that's why i think brandon shall should be shooting way more threes because he's a really good free throw shooter 
Yeah. He's, he's also shooting 35, Darian, 36%. Darian Jackson should also just be chucking threes no, up. Darian Jackson See, has a hideous. He this is, is why I don't. Darian I don't Jackson know. is 84% from the line. He is clearly a top three-point shooter. I know people talk about that free throw stat all the time and how it correlates kind of with three-pointers. It's, but it's, I don't know. it's just like, it's just do you more, have a good it's shot? About, it's about good stroke. Yeah. Because, no, I know. I mean, well, it's mostly I, I because, that. you know, it's like freshmen go to the NBA. Yeah. So you don't have that many. Like, if they only take like 50 attempt threes in a season, it's just not a high enough sample size. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Karita can keep up, I mean, or improve on the three point shooters, then we've got at least some, you know, we've got at least two or three guys in, at all times that can shoot the ball that are in the game. Cause not all four of those guys are going to be in at the same time, uh, with horn being probably, yeah. I will give Karita a shooter. He like one, he's been playing so much better since they switched the starting lineup and yeah. brought him off the bench. Uh-huh. And also 80% of his shots are threes, mm. which that's, that's what that should be. Krita, he's a spot up shooter. Yeah. When they're doing that, like that's a that's a great way to use him. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't take many bad shots. Like he usually passes up. No, he's not Curran the, Scott. the shot. Yeah. Curran Scott was such a good shooter, but goddamn, that guy <laughs> loved floaters. Yeah, I know. Uh, he did. Um. So you uh-huh. look at three point attempt rate. How's Clemson doing this year? You know. I don't know. Okay. Probably great. I mean, Curran's got favorite for ACC player of the year. <laughs> uh. So our three best shooters, Karita, Horn, Jones. I think we could agree on. They're they're all taking over fifty percent of their shots from three, which yeah. I think is a good thing. Yep. Um, and they also happen to be no, but uh, Rochelle's leading us in true shooting percentage. He's so good. Sorry, is switching topics? But he is so good in like the short mid range. He's so good everywhere, man. It's like oh god, I just love watching him play. He's like uh he's like Shaq. Well, Darian Jackson's more like Shaq Harrison, I guess. But Rochelle is like Shaq Harrison, but can shoot. A three ball. I mean, it's just, it's great. He's got all the energy. He's great on defense. He can shoot the three. He can do the mid range game. He can get to the bucket. He can dunk it. He's got everything you want. So, man, like, if we didn't have him on this team, had he not transferred in this He's year? The only shot creator, I feel we'd like. We'd be. Kind of, but like. Yeah. It, it, I love Jeffries, but Jeffries couldn't do what he does in terms of. He's a straight line drive guy. Yeah, he can't, like, yeah. he couldn't take it off the dribble, get in the paint, like, do pump fakes and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I love Horn's game. Love watching him. He's like, he's the smoothest guy we've got on offense. But he's not quick, so he can't get himself open as well. He's great in transition, and he's great coming off screens. Um, but in terms of like having the ball and getting to the bucket, he's not gonna. He's not. He's not the best on the team. Yeah, doing his that. best move is like a step back three. Yeah, and still kind of yeah. I wonder. And this is my go, judging mostly off the UConn game from last year. Would it be better if we're gonna go with like a post up offense to run it through Dry Horn? Probably. He seems way I mean, more silky smooth and yeah, a better passer. That's a... He's a very underrated passer. He's a re- he's really good. Yeah. Then this basically would mean we'd have to stop playing. <laughs> I know. I don't know, man. Like Horn, what? It, how tall is he? He's six seven, probably six six. Dry Horn is our second lowest uh, turnovers per forty minutes. Yeah. After Darian Jackson, he's nationally ranked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a smart player. Like he, like he's clearly. He knows what he's doing out there, and he's going to make the right move most of the time. And he just looks like a good basketball player. The but, other thing, though, is we do need him to shoot threes. So it's like he can't do both. Yeah, exactly. Um, small sample size are my favorite things to look at with stats because guess who leads the team per 40 minutes in blocks? Ooh, George. Uh, George. Oh, shit. George, George is so 5. awesome. Yeah. George's block he's got that one. <laughs> Oh, it's 17. Yeah. He's got that one block. That was my but, favorite. After that one time he played, you just look at his, uh, his numbers – and his it defensive rating like was like 200, 100 <laughs> yeah. block percentage. Nice. 100% of the blocks. Yeah. His, de- his defensive rating was through the roof. That's yeah, hilarious. It was great. He got in again against uh, Pine hey, Bluff. He's Pine been Bluff. in three games so far. Yeah. So. He's not what I hoped. 
I, I, I hope <laughs> yeah. he was like the next Steve Nash. But yeah. He's well, he's of, also isn't he a retro freshman? Right. So he's yeah, got he's, he's got plenty walk. of time. Yeah, that's true. Plenty of time. I can see it. I don't know, but there's serious flaws in this team. And yeah, let's let's go back like why we lost yesterday to Arkansas State. Uh, just since so it was sixty six no sixty three sixty one. Was the 66 63 yep yeah so i think it's turnovers is my big gripe with this team and i think it's still just creating a lot it's they call them forced turnovers um but i don't think there are many they're really all that forced it just seems like really bad passes that teams can read yeah and just like jump and a lot of it comes like hill is not great at passing to his own team and so Arkansas State scores 20 points off of turnovers we, we end up scoring nine and so that 20 points comes comes off of our 13 turnovers so they were getting like what is like 0.9 points per turnover that ours and if we're going to keep doing that like we're just giving away free points giving away free possessions and that's just killing us so it's a combination of that and Arkansas was really good in the paint compared to us and that they didn't miss Arkansas State Arkansas State yeah, I don't. I'm scared for Arkansas next week. That's, yeah, man, that's, I know. That's spooky. They're uh, uh, 31 in Ken Palm right now. Yeah, God. They've also played a trash schedule. Uh, so that, and then Arkansas State also had nine points in transition. We had two. Arkansas State had two points off of dunks. We had zero. Like we, we don't dunk. A team that doesn't dunk has no spirit. We are short. <laughs> Um, and we don't. Short we don't. Can dunk. Rashal can put it down. Rashal and Jack's put in a transition. Like, I'm a tall not, person, not, but I can't jump. Well, I'm dunk. saying I'm these saying, guys can dunk. Igbano, our big men are small. Um, well, not Igbo, not, not Igbo. True, but he's not getting the playing time he wants. Um, I mean, yeah, we're, also, we're not getting dunks game. because we play at the slowest pace for some reason. It makes no sense. Because Frank Haith absolutely hates pace salsa. That's also it's a weird part. I, I'm 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 gonna guess his is. Always his argument for playing at a slow pace is because it's safer, but we still just have so many turnovers. Mm-hmm. And especially if you go turnover by possession, it's just so much. <sighs> yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, this week we've got a, uh, it's going to, I mean, we've got another kind of tall task coming at us here. We've got Boise State, who is not that great. They're, they're above us, I'm pretty sure, in Ken Palm right now, though. I think they're like 117. They're 104. 104, yeah. We're, so we're down to 131 now, right? No, we're 117. Oh, so I mix those up. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, this so is Boise, our hardest, hardest week. Yeah, no doubt. Because, yeah, Boise's above us. Uh, is Boise now, are they the second highest Ken Palm team that we've played? They will After, be, uh, they will or be third? the highest. Yeah, they're definitely higher than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not very good. They're Vanderbilt's the highest team so far this season. Okay, yeah. So then, yeah, so this is yeah, easily one, the hardest week. Four, and then Arkansas um, 31, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be tough. <laughs> like, uh, not feeling good um, about that game. Arkansas, I, I took notes on this. Yeah, the the easy half of non-conference is over. Like, And we lost two games to teams that we should have beat. Now we've got Boise State, Arkansas, Colorado State, and Kansas State our yeah. next four games before the end, before 2019 is over. Actually, I would argue we were probably supposed to go like lose two games in that stretch because UTA was picked to beat us. That was the only one we were – and that was a 50-50 coin toss. So according to Ken Palm, yeah, we were like two point, yeah, underdogs. But like we, our, think, our projected record record has dropped two games. Well, but it was up for a while. Is it back to like because we weren't it's supposed six, to beat Vanderbilt? Sixteen fifteen. Yeah, we. So at the start of the season, it was like eighteen. No, it wasn't. It was seventeen. Okay. So it's two two point. Two I guess after the UTA loss, it went way down. But yeah, I don't know. I don't have any fixes for this team. 
And I also think there's going to be up and down and have some like weird upsets along the way, but also just be like around what Ken Palm has at 16 and 15. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that too. Do we do we get to 10 wins before conference? Do you... Yeah, I think we do. Before conference? What are we at now? Sorry. Seven. Do you think we win three of our next four games? We got Boise State, Colorado State, and... Arkansas and Kansas State. Three. I think we win one of those. Of the four of those? I think we... Well, maybe Colorado State. Boise and Colorado State would be a nine. I think we definitely lose the two away games. I think we win one of them. I think we get ten. You think we beat Arkansas or Kansas State? Both. We get to 11. Bam. (laughs) Pat has us going undefeated for Yeah, I mean, Kansas State, what, they're 85 in Ken Palm right now? Um, they lost, man, they lost a ton of players from last year. I know. But Barry Brown I know gone. We, I know we own Kansas State. Dude, that's got to be, a, that's an automatic win. You know, we don't have to talk about it. Like, the, <laughs> they, uh, they're, also, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine at work who went to K-State and follows their basketball team, like, hardcore, and he is really upset with the team right now because, mostly because they don't have a replacement for Barry Brown, who was their point guard last year, and it's now this Cartier Diara. Uh, at point guard and he's just the turnover machine apparently so he's pretty upset with the team so far and they've just gone kind of down in ken palm throughout the season I don't know. i'm just going to enjoy watching rochelle and jackson and yeah, it's kind that, of like not... I, I feel like that's going to be a lot of what this season is is just watching like some of the players like have good games because we're going to get i kind of believe that we're going to get throttled in conference play uh, especially that, like we start mm-hmm. our, our conference starts with temple cincinnati houston I also think the conference is way down from last year. Right, but Besides we're, but we're Memphis, I think but. we're down more than the conference is, is. Conference is on average. I don't know, man. From a talent standpoint, I don't think we're that down. Yeah, me either. I really like Reggie Jones from so the, when I watch the players play, I like like what they do. It's just I just don't think there's that much chemistry so far. Yeah, I really don't think we're gonna get that throttled in uh, in conference play. Like I, th- I agree with Pat. So far, the conference has been disappointing this year. Like it was pre preseason, I was like, man, we could put six teams in the freaking tournament. I mean, six would be a stretch, but still, we could have a lot of teams in the tournament. And uh, man, it's been it's been kind of ugly to start it off. Like Houston already has two losses uh, on the year, and I thought they would not. You know, they had a tough early schedule. But so still. this is not my basketball forte, but positives from last year. It's so hard to do because I love Daquan Jeffries. He's like my favorite TU basketball player of all time. Yeah. But Definitely the things we have, like this year we're so much better at because some of our new players, is it's improvement and we're not getting killed, is rebounding. Yeah. Rashal and Jackson bring so much on the boards that it just makes such a huge difference. Where it's not like it's a positive for us, but it's like a net neutral. Mm-hmm. Where we're not just getting like wrecked. Yep. But, yeah, the, totally. but losing Curran Scott, Daquan Jeffries, and Sterling Taplin, we're now just dog shit at shooting. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a give and take. But it's just... My, I guess my point is for when we get to conference play and when we play anybody, I don't want to. I don't think we're gonna get out athleticized, athleticism. <laughs> I don't think any. But we don't. We don't. Sh- we don't go up against anybody. It's like whoa, these guys are just so much bigger and better than us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's 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 just a, gonna be a weird season. I think you're totally right. Like we have talent and we have a head coach, but I don't know how good of one. Probably not very. Uh, but it's gonna, it's just gonna be like I wouldn't be surprised if we won that Kansas State game. Like that would make total sense. Um, Arkansas might be a little too much, but I don't think we're gonna go into any game and it's like, like it's maybe it's hyperbole, but like I don't think we're gonna play anybody. It's like man can like, I think Brandon Rochelle could hang with anybody's best player. Yeah, I mean as long as you've got athletes around the perimeter, you've got a chance at any of these games uh, or most of the games. And it's on the conference. I think it's really going to help having Ugbo just in terms of like a yeah. body to put against some of those big guys. Yeah, that's why I'm surprised. I mean, he only had four minutes last game. 
I thought at this point it would be going up and up and up, and it has gone up like some games, but he's still like this last game yeah, against well, I guess Arkansas State. was hurt, but man, we only played like seven guys. Yeah, I know. I like early too, actually. I know, man. <laughs> he's very he, smooth. He looks good. I like him too. So I like the guys on the team. Uh, maybe I don't know, just a, a weird stumbling block here, possibly. But I'm not feeling. It's too weird great. to say because they take so many, but I really like. I really think Reggie Jones and Karita just need to like chuck it up more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they, it, it just makes a big difference, mm-hmm. and it gives more space. Yeah. And I think anytime I feel like anytime Reggie Jones misses a three. If he looks over to the bench, there's just going to be a really angry Frank Haith. <laughs> right. Probably. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to talk about Boise and Arkansas coming up this week more, like more specifics, and I took a bunch of notes on them. I have no idea where they went. So I like I, I definitely did because I talked about – because one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, Arkansas has Jimmy Witt on their team, and he played for SMU for the last three years. And I guess a grand tra- is a grand transfer for uh, Arkansas now, and is their third leading scorer. They have like a 16-point leading guy. Uh, or a 17 point is like their leading guy, and then they have a 16 well, point per game. And, right. and, uh, Last name Joe? Jones. Isaiah Joe. That guy could be a lottery pick. He's really good. Yeah. So, so they've got talent for sure. And like Jimmy Witt, I like I loved him when he was a coach. Do you know about the coach? The muscle man? Muscle man, yeah. He's from like, Nevada. He's a like, like bonkers. What do you mean? He's just like he's just like one of those coaches that's like crazy over the top to like get players oh. to like him. Really? Like he's just like look at like just Google any like weird stuff he does. He's like he's like the typical like you win a game, yeah. he comes dancing into the locker room it's and like just like cover himself in water. What? He's Dabo Sweeney. He's a little bit Dabo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just like he's just like really weird and just yeah, does a lot of things. So he's like that he's like that fun coach, but he's also like if you see it, if his players are playing bad, he has like eighteen veins on his forehead. Oh yeah. Okay. So are they still undefeated? Arkansas? Yeah. No, they lost their last game. Western, Western Kentucky, Kentucky on the road. Ooh, yeah, yeah, but Western Kentucky pays their players. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're, I think they're 8-1. I can't believe I don't have these notes. I took so many notes on Arkansas and Boise State because it's a fun week, and I freaking lost All them all. All you didn't know is Isaiah Joe, really good. Eric Musselman, bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Witt, he's played SMU. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, on the Boise side, I'm just looking at their, at their team now. Um, they've got a pretty clear leading scorer in Derek Austin. Um and then this guy, like he has the best name, uh, Justinian is his first name. Justinian Jessup, uh, very cool name. He's their second leading scorer, but also leads the team in steals and blocks. Uh, and that, those are kind of their two their two headliners. Um, so it should be fun. Uh, that should be a close game. I'm I'm pretty pumped for that one. That's on Wednesday. Uh, I can't remember the time. I had all this written down, but again, all my notes are gone. I have no idea what happened. It is at seven o'clock on Wednesday, which is cool. Maybe I should be able to go to that one. Um, Arkansas is on Saturday and it is at 1230 on Saturday. So should be a fun week in Tulsa basketball land. Uh, at least the opponents are more fun than they have been so far this season. Uh, Vanderbilt notwithstanding. So Boise state and Arkansas this week should be cool. So we'll have, um, you know, get that going and it'll be fun to watch. Okay. Uh, what else? Oh yeah. Um, are we good with basketball? Good to move on. Yes. Cool. Yes. <laughs> Lots of, we are, uh, yeah. Well, this is, the, this is the last, like, joint episode. And we had a lot of end of the football you season. You don't have to justify it to me. I know. I'm just saying. I, under, I understand. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a podcast veteran. It was fun talking the coaching stuff. We only talked about that for not, a while. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, we probably don't. Need well, I'm mostly justifying episode. it for the listeners. Okay. So, sorry, listeners. But I hope you enjoy it, anyways. Uh, so, the last hey, thing I'm I want to. me. I need my lunch. I'm freaking starving, dude. <laughs> so, last, <laughs> last thing I want to talk about. Uh, Lots of news out of the American recently. Um, the American Conference Championship game was yesterday. It was Memphis against Cincinnati for the second week in a row. Memphis beat Cincinnati for the second week in a row to win the AAC and will. It's probably might be decided by now. It's 
almost yeah, one o'clock. Is it? Is it for sure? Like I know it's ninety nine percent anyway. I, I don't know how else how they don't. I know. Like I just I don't want to say definitely because unless. Ooh no! App State actually jumped up to top ten. <laughs> Damn man! No, they. Guys, Boise's uh, not going to respect their new two. <laughs> they pounded Hawaii. That was crazy. I thought that was going to be a closer game. Um, but yeah, so it's looking like if it hasn't already been decided that it, then it's almost definitely going to be uh, Memphis going to the Goodyear Cotton Ball Classic as the G5's New Year Six rep. Um, nearly almost every projection uh, for bowl games has Memphis playing either Penn State or Wisconsin in the Cotton Ball, with the majority of those saying Penn State. Which would be man? I hope it's Penn State for for Memphis's defense sake because they could not stop the run against Cincinnati. That I mean, Jonathan Taylor. If they play Wisconsin, that could be embarrassingly bad. So I really hope it's Penn State. They have more of like a com- committee situation over there. Um, so just for for Memphis's sake, I I hope it's Penn State that they play. But either way, very cool. Uh, it's been you know the Americans been a, a league now for seven years. This is the fifth time that the Americans represented the G five. Uh, in the New Year's Six Bowl, which is just a power play on uh, on for the American, I, that just looks awesome. Um, five out of seven years being the having the top ranked team um, out of our conference, uh, out of the G five. So should be really fun ball season. Americans got seven eligible teams, four four out of the West, three out of the East. Um, decent slate of bowl games should be fun as usual. And then the big news, though, is, or big earning, I guess the biggest news is probably Memphis going to the Cotton Bowl. But the second biggest news is Memphis's coach, Mike Norvell, has been officially hired as of noon today as Florida State's head coach, had the press conference and everything. Um, I think it was actually made official a little bit before that. But it was made official before the game. Uh, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. They were literally talking about it the whole podcast. I know. Broadcast. I mean, no, they said it. not made official. It was reported, but it was, it was yeah. like official. It was basically. The contract leaked. had been signed. They just hadn't publicly announced it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, you know, watch that post game press conference. Like, hey, yeah, so you're going to Florida State? I don't want to. Talk I know, about but that. it wasn't it wasn't official as of that. It was official. I mean, I mean, it's not official until what, the school. Be by official. The school has to come out and say. Also, it. we could have we could have five ten win teams in the American this year. That'd be incredible if they all won their bowl games. Yeah, yeah but uh, we'll see. American so is notoriously bad at bowl games the last couple seasons. Truth. Other than like, well, we already have four or six. Are we five? Uh, yeah, we have four. Yeah. So Norvell headed to Florida State. Um, we all know, you know, Norvell has been killing it at Memphis now. Uh, had uh, three t- three years in a row, they've been in the American Championship game. They lost two years to UCF, two years in a row, and then they finally got it done against Cincinnati twice in a row uh, th- this year. Uh, Norvell, grad assistant at TU in 2007, followed Todd Graham around um, from Tulsa to Pitt to Arizona State, and uh, we, me and Matt, were talking yesterday about whether he will be coaching uh, against whoever, probably Penn State in the Cotton Bowl, and. Uh, commercial appeal who is it's a website that has uh they're part of the usa today news network um, but specifically for memphis um, they have a quote from norvell saying that quote it is up to the school administration uh, meaning it's memphis's call whether they will let him coach but he wants to coach and i don't it sounds like florida state's down i feel like it's a better it's a better look if he coaches because especially just like you want memphis to do well in this game use your coach no, yeah, no doubt. I feel like I, that's why I, I also, think he's going to be. I also, I think it looks good for recruiting for him at Florida State too, or it's like he's he cares about his team. players. Yeah. So I think I think he will be, which will be awesome. Um, that'll be fun to watch. You know, his final game being in a in a huge ball game against a big time team. And I feel like it's not like a bad like divorce. You know, like the split with yeah. him. Memphis. He's been there like a good amount. Yeah. He's, like, I mean, he's stuck no, around no longer than. Like he was rumored yeah. the last two years. He's been rumored to be like 
linked to other jobs too. And he's, I know for sure he declined. I don't, I don't remember what school. I think it might've been Arkansas. Declined, like no, yeah. declined a job. Like no offense to Memphis, but like Florida State's like, not like recently, but they're like a top tier program. Oh, yeah. They've yeah, won a absolutely. national championship this decade. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a blue blood. Yeah. For football. Yeah. That's what you're saying. I know, but not even just this deck, like ex- the whole, extent, yeah, like the history. No. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, I totally, totally get it that, that he's going there. Sucks for Memphis, but he, man, he, he really helped them out. Um, but it looks like that's going to be the only coach probably that the American will lose. Willie Fritz is the only other name being thrown around by Mizzou and Arkansas, but I would be really surprised if he ended up at either of those, especially after a six and six year. Um, and you gotta put that, you gotta put that in like context. I don't know. I, 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 I Matt was saying that too. We're talking about it, but he's scout hates Willie Fritz. Picked up on <laughs> yeah. that. But like this two line was so bad at football. No, I know. Yeah. And the underlying numbers yeah. saying, even though they won six and six, you mean they like were historically? So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's like us kind of too. They just had a better record, but the the American West was so much better this year than last year, and they still improved. Fan bases, is there no interest in Sunny Dykes, or is this like paying? Him I think it's just too early. Fan yeah. bases don't care about underlying numbers. I'm gonna say that now, and so Mizzou or Arkansas fans would be furious if their schools hired somebody that went six and six at Tulane for like two years in no, a row. I agree. That's why I don't think it's gonna happen. And I wonder who Mizzou's going to get. We obviously nobody listening really cares, but we're all we're all from St. Louis, yeah. so we kind of have connections there. Yep. Uh, we all have family who went there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean Norvell was linked to it early. Obviously, that's not happening. Uh, I heard um, like Eli Drinkwitz from Appalachian State. Yeah, I was wondering if that guy. That guy I feel like he's like. If you go, if you win twelve games at Appalachian State, you probably should be getting a good job. Yeah, and he like he he's I'm pretty sure he's been there long enough. I think he was the guy that transitioned them from FCS to FBS, and now they're super su- successful at the FBS level. You know, so he's done a great job. For I think them. that's going to be more of a trend too, because the well, it's only been one year, but the guy from North Dakota State yeah, had K-State a really good state year at K State. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could be. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I feel like I've read a bunch of reports recently saying that Arkansas and Mizzou are both pretty unhappy with like the list of possible candidates, especially now that Norvell's gone. East, East Carolina came from, he was FCS too, right? He was, uh, James Madison before yeah. East Carolina, who I'm yeah. pretty sure is FCS. Yeah. FCS. They, were um, they were always a playoff team. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I think, I mean, it's always a good year when the American doesn't lose like half their coaches. So, uh, what happy about, for uh, what's his face? Hoipel, Hypel, Josh Hypel. No, I mean, he's, he's, his name is thrown out Absolutely. there, especially like he was linked kind of to the Mizzou job I'll since he was the, the OC, OC there. Yeah. God, um, but it's like, he, he hasn't proven anything. I, like, okay, I was gonna say, is he not? Yeah. I, I don't think he's that good either, but I don't know. I mean, last year, you know, they had, you know, undefeated regular season. Hard to say anything bad about that, but that was, uh, you know, this year. A clear step down, um, you know, nine they and lost three. A, they just lost to Tulsa. Lost to fucking dude. Oh, there, yeah. goddamn trash too. I know. Uh, I uh, well, I, I thought he was really bad at Mizzou. Was the main thing. Yeah. He was offense coordinator. I was yeah. like shocked when they hired yeah, they him. Won, they won six games in a row at the yeah. end of that season. After losing like the first six. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it hasn't been long enough to know what he it like. The signs look like a decline for UCF, but you can't even with the as good of a record as he had. It's too, way too risky. To hire him as a head coach we right just, now. We need like if we don't want to lose all these coaches, they need to stop being like successful. Oh, how much is, at other places yeah. like looking at Matt? How much Rule is Clemson? Here, but how much is Clemson paying their defensive coordinator? I don't it, know because that guy's like really good. Yeah. They pay their coordinators so much. I know, it's, like, but like so hard. To he's get like the best coordinator, there. like one of the best in the countries, and like he hasn't been. Yeah, like, is it still like, uh, Kirby Smart? Is it still Venables? Here. Is that yeah. the yeah? Okay, him. I bet. I bet OU people will talk up like. Alex Grinch Alex deserves Grinch. a head coaching job. 
dude. Well, he well, he well, did well, an well. awesome job this year, though. He did. So it's also his first year. But also, yeah. did you see the? Um, everybody's like hiring their old coaches or like wants to. Like we had the Todd Graham talk for a while. Um, South Florida apparently is looking at Willie Taggart. Yeah. Who was there, you know, what is it, Greg four years Shiana ago now? Greg Rutgers. Shiana back to Rutgers. It's weird. I mean, everybody, yeah, Remember I when we were good? Who else wants to go to Rutgers, though? They're, yeah. pay, they're paying him a lot. Yeah, Shiano, Rutgers. Rutgers was, like, not awful with Shiano. He was just, he's oh, also no. kind of. Why did the Big Ten like, want top, Rutgers? That's the, that's the eternal that, question. That New York market, because everybody in New York really loves Rutgers. Yeah. Well, they didn't, it's not that. It's, you get, if you do that, they can now put the Big Ten network can be made available in the New York TV market. Hmm. That's what they wanted. Plus, they can have their stuff like their tournament in New York, and they can have that connection to New York. That's why do you stupid. want? I mean, just because yeah. of the TV, the TV market. market. Is that the, the whole TV, I get the TV, but like, there's the no, there's no actual connection. The Big Ten is a Northern Midwest. Right. Conference. Yeah. I mean, why is Maryland in there? Like Maryland doesn't. Well, I get that why they want. Sense. Maryland's like good at basketball, and like, it, right. like Maryland's like yeah, a real but school. Like geographically, like yeah, conferences no, are, meaningless, are becoming meaningless now. Like, I hate with it. expansion. Like, the, what is the American? The American is like. The American is castoffs. The yeah. American is P6, baby. I know, but it's like Conference USA was like Parker somewhat. Ge- yeah. <laughs> Even Conference USA was slightly geographic. I mean, no. the American no, is. No, no, no. Conference USA was like the, the American thing from geographic. It's not like slightly south, and then you throw in like Marshall, and then like SLU was in there for a bit, then like Tulsa, then like, yeah, it was all over. The place. Aside from a few like outliers, the American is mostly like geographically similar. What is it? Just east of Texas, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah. got you got you got Tulsa, you got SMU, you got Houston, and then that goes all the way over to like yeah, UConn and outlier. Temple. Well, like, UConn's gone. Temple is an outlier. Navy is an outlier. Well, there's two. That's only an outlier. So it is. <laughs> two two is definitely an outlier in a conference of twelve mm-hmm. or fourteen when you include the single sport members. There's definitely like a clear. There's a clear like circle. I mean, if you look. I at mean, the if you circle map, anything, it's a like circle. <laughs> there's a clear, <laughs> concentrated circle, and then you've got a couple that are outside of it. I don't know. It's not. It's not like ideal. It's not like the SEC where they're all right there, basically. But well, SEC is not even that because they throw in Mizzou. Yeah, Mizzou's in the East. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And A and M kind of throws it off too. I mean, they sort of make sense. It's not like they're all just randomly spread out. I don't know. The Mizzou was in the Union, like Missouri. <laughs> Yeah, that's really it's a, hard, it's a horrible way to look at it, but like that's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, we're at an hour and a half. Um, so in terms of the blog, Matt, Matt's mentioned it a few times. We're gonna put together something for the outgoing seniors and kind of recap what they've done over their over their careers. Um, any other plans for the blog, or is that the that the headliner right now? It's the headliner right now. Cool. Uh, final thing, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to McKinley Whitfield. I don't know if we were talking about this only before the episode, or did we actually mention this in the last hour and a half while we were recording here? <laughs> I can't remember, but McKinley Whitfield signed. He's been coaching in Texas. Uh, or, wait, was he in Oklahoma? Who was the who's coaching in Oklahoma high school right now? Whitfield, because yeah. you always forgot that. Okay, so yeah, there you go. I forgot again. So Whitfield's been in Oklahoma coaching, um, but just signed a contract with the Edmonton Eskimos in the CFL. Oof. So, man, maybe playing against Dane next year. We'll see. Uh, that would be super cool um so watch out for him cfl is fun to watch it'll be cool have another tulsa guy playing in the pros so very nice anything else or should we call it right there call it let's eat some lunch okay let's call it there we are at an hour and a half uh so if you like the show please share it on twitter uh or tell a friend about it or leave us and or i guess leave us a review on apple Podcasts. that would be awesome if you want to support us financially like we mentioned you can do that uh, you can sign up for a monthly donation at anchor.fm slash the golden hurricast. 
and you'll see a button there that says support this podcast. You can click that. It'll take you through the steps. It's really easy. Uh, finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Golden Hurricast, or you can send us an email at thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everybody, as usual, and we will talk to you next week. Stay golden. Hurricast.